This episode is sponsored by You Are an Artist Chalk Pastels. Nana invites you to a special celebration of Thanksgiving and Christmas with Chalk Pastels. Gratitude, twinkling lights, and all. Find special links in the show notes. At ChalkPastel.com, we are a homeschool family of three generations offering no-fuss video art lessons for all ages. Lessons are taught by Nana, Lucia Hames, and produced by her daughter, HodgePodge mom, Trisha Hodges at the hodgepodge. Nana started teaching her five grandchildren around the kitchen table a decade ago. Trisha has been homeschooling since 2000. Megan McDougall says, totally unexpectedly, these lessons have become an anchor. I have something they can all do that is brief but focused, fun but productive. They get a complete, tangible proof of effort. A little breakfast, a little prayer, a little Nana, priceless. Oh, that's perfect. There is a lesson library for preschoolers to advanced masterclasses. Choose from self-paced to special live lessons. Use the Chalk Pastels curriculum matchup guide or art planner, or simply choose what appeals to your artists and enjoy art in the way you learn best. Rachel Hoffman says, this is one of the reasons I, mom, love Chalk Pastel. Not a lot of supplies, inexpensive, and not a huge mess to clean up after we're done. That's right. All it takes is one, two, three. Chalk pastels, construction paper, and video art lessons. Grab your free set of getting started in chalk pastel art lessons and give them a try. Sarah McKenzie of Read Aloud Revival said, my kids are quite smitten with Nana and chalk pastels both. One of my twins asked to do them about 10,000 times a day. (laughs) Not a member yet? Join Nana for her I Drew It, Then I Knew It series to match the beautiful learning already happening in your home. Over 600 video art lessons for all ages. Use the code SISTERS for 25% off your first month, quarter, or year sign up of You Are an Artist Clubhouse membership. Hi there, and welcome to the Homeschool Sisters podcast. I'm Kate. And I'm Kara, and we're two homeschooling moms doing this homeschooling thing right beside you. We don't have it all figured out, but one thing we know for sure is that homeschooling is a lot easier when you have a sister by your side. Hey, Kate. Hey, Kara. How are you? I'm hanging in. How are you? Yeah, same. (laughs) Exactly the same. everything's changing and yet nothing at all (laughs) yeah we were kind of talking about how we're both dealing with kind of low batteries right now um yeah 12 percent yeah yeah we need to be plugged in and recharged um (laughs) and it's getting cold so the battery like just plummets 12 (laughs) percent and plummeting yeah (laughs) we need we need like walk around like plugged into the wall (laughs) or something plugged into a book or a hammock there you go plugged into a book for sure Mm -hmm. that's one thing that's kind of keeping me going and um yeah I don't know it's just it's a it's a hard uh time to keep like like I'm staying really positive right it's yeah at uh, what point are you just not I know at what point you you see your friends in real life and they ask how you are you just kind of be like it's just this just poop <laughs> the whole thing is poop but i'm glad to see you from the distance yeah exactly yeah yeah for sure um yeah no i just keep hearing from more and more people about how like you know how they're being impacted by things and it's like mm-hmm. 
I really want to stay cheery. I'm trying to stay cheery. Trying. And we talk at the end about some things that are bringing us joy. We'll talk at the end of this episode. So that's good. Um, And I think we really need to focus on those things. And I think we really need to like double down on all the self-care things and all the like mental health first. Like whatever you need to do to keep mental health first for everybody right now. You are not the only one whose school is weird right now. But one thing that we can work on is all the mental health stuff. Like really. Mm -hmm. And normalizing that because nobody's having an easy time of it. No, no. And it, it seems like, um, stuff like anything that you kind of had before pandemic we talked about this right it like gets turned Mm -hmm. up to like an 11 so yes yeah or 27 (laughs) (laughs) speaking for myself (laughs) our whole day you're at a 12 like literally our whole day we are out hiking seven like you can see how you can't really like why that might Mm -hmm. why this might be a long-term issue like right now (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like why it's become something that continues to be hard to deal with. Because if you're at a 12, but the problems are at a 27, like you don't have enough to show mm-hmm. up to fix all the problems. Mm-hmm. It's just basic math. I'm not sure how. It is. But we should call Kate's no. <laughs> <laughs> Who was on last time. And this time we yeah. have Anne. And oh my gosh. It is so flipping good. Like I got chills a couple times listening. To I her. did too. We've wanted to do this episode for a really long time, but it was tricky because we wanted to talk to somebody who we knew would be like kind of brutally honest about how hard it is to add babies to homeschooling. Because we, we're beyond that. Like, it's been a while. I mean, mm-hmm. my baby is 13, so it's been a long time. How, yeah. how young is your youngest? Nine. Nine? Yeah. So, I mean, it's been. Which makes me really sad to say. Yeah. I know it goes so fast, we, but we were talking about um, how like just the difference between like we didn't have Instagram when we were when we had tiny babies. Thank um, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I don't think I even had Facebook. I think I had a, like an old school uh, Samsung, like one of those. What are the ones that you like flipped open? Did you ever have one? Of yes. Those? Yep, I did. And you like Flip typed phone. on it, and it was so exciting because you could like type on the thing on the outside, then you'd open it, and there was like a little tiny black and white screen, and it looked like something like a baby Nintendo thing. Or I something. had my friend's <laughs> dad's old BlackBerry. Like it was like, <laughs> do you remember Blackberries? Yeah, it was like his cast off that she had used that I got from her. And I just remember like nursing my youngest and I would watch reruns of Six Feet Under and play <laughs> words with friends. So you were into like really, like really fun programming back then. Yeah. <laughs> reruns I had of a dark Six sense of humor, which has only been accentuated during this time. Yeah. Here, 2020, 2020 times. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, that's the thing is um my Instagram was the Today Show. Like my thing that I would watch that would just make me feel bad. <laughs> Not that Instagram has to make us feel bad, but like you just have to be careful with it, I think. And like right. so my thing that I would do when I was nursing or whatever, um, is like every morning I would get up and we would like watch the Today Show. And then I realized it was like every single week was like Do you remember the girl that had hiccups that couldn't stop hiccuping? Oh my gosh, yes. And like she needed like 
it was seriously depressing because like she needed serious medical care. And I'm like, what if my baby doesn't like start hiccuping and doesn't stop? Like <laughs> that combined with postpartum hormones was not a good combination. No, and so I had no. to stop watching the Today Show. And yeah, I just got really obsessed with Words with Friends. I've it's never, the only phone game I've ever played. I've never. And played then once it. he was finally not nursing, which was a long. <laughs> I don't say finally not. I really enjoyed it, but he was my, I mean, he would probably. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. It yeah. was just, we were ready. And yeah. I deleted words with friends. Cause I was like, this could really be a huge, huge issue. I feel so I like this into I feel so much life. older than you right now. Cause I don't even know what words with friends is. Like, I know what it is. I know that um, Alec Baldwin got in trouble cause he wouldn't stop playing it on an airplane. But like, that's oh, all really? I know about it. Oh, I don't even remember that, but I can kind of relate. Cause I got. Like you got really into your points. Yeah. And who you were playing and you'd have people who, I mean, I played with actual friends, but I also played with strangers who were, you'd find your even match. And it was like a good way to work your brain when you felt like you weren't working your brain. Yeah. It filled some sort of void that I needed at the time. Well. Because it was very hard to read with um, him mm -hmm. nursing. So I couldn't do that. I know a lot of friends who read and nurse, but my kids were too. Acrobatic. <laughs> it yeah. just didn't work well like yeah. okay maybe when they're like you know newborn you could kind of figure out a way to read like now that there's kindle like you only need one hand to hold a kindle like maybe you could figure out a way to read but once they hit a certain point like yeah there's just he was also a puker so i could like very everywhere. easily with one hand like yeah i can't show the people at home <laughs> well and one of my kids it was very easy to stick. just hold the blackberry and like you know, if he puked, like, yeah, he used to stick a finger. One of my kids used to stick a finger on my belly button, and I was oh. like, "We need to wean." <laughs> <laughs> but we didn't. But I was like, "You gotta no." Between like yeah. the foot, like in my mouth, yes, and the finger yep. on my belly button, I was mm -hmm. like, "No, I'm not." <laughs> we got to figure something out. I don't know what, but like, we got to give you something to hold did Not i really tell sure. you about his monkey so i tried to get him to have a lovey <laughs> i told you this right did i tell you yes this? we talked about this because we both like tried like actively tried to he, get our kids so he <laughs> had he had um he was a happy spitter but he threw up all when i say all the time like people mm -hmm. still talk about it <laughs> <laughs> i used to have little rags like that were like drop cloths that it, i just couldn't deal with it and my dog at the time was this geriatric bear of a dog and he used to <laughs> used to no, eat it no 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 he'd clean no, it up no and no, everyone was horrified no. and they're like kate kate and i was like he's helping okay <laughs> i cannot tell you how often like how I, it was amazing that he gained weight but anyway he would comfort nurse so it was constant and yeah. i just and i had two really close in age ahead of him and i got these lovies at babies are us which i don't even think exists anymore but it was a monkey and because he threw up all the time, I had to switch them out. So we called them Sticky Monkey. And I would just take one out when it got too smelly and chuck it down the <laughs> stairs for the laundry and get another. So it was a joke. And all my friends would show up with additional monkeys. So he probably had 15 by the end. But he used to eventually sleep. This is past nursing with the entire thing in his mouth oh stuffed in there. Oh my so goodness. it was still stinky. <laughs> years later and then we went to the dentist a few years ago 
really a while ago now because now he's nine. I don't remember. But we went to the dentist and the dentist came out and he's like, okay, so um, does he sleep with his fist in his mouth or something? <laughs> I was like, actually, it's an entire lovey that he just shoves in there. He's like, okay, we're going to need to stop that. And he's been such an easy kid except for the puking that I just sat down with him that night. And I was like, listen, buddy, stinky monkey can't go in your whole mouth because dentist said that's bad it's gonna mess up your teeth he was like okay and he never did it again and it made me cry it wasn't like a bat not that i wanted a battle but with all the other things like that he's just so easy going and so like yeah he was just like okay that makes sense okay i won't oh (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh sweet boy oh my goodness oh so and that's the thing like i miss i miss having little teeny ones but then we just talked to ann and i'm like that was hard. Like, it was so hard. It was especially really, the colic really hard. when she was talking about colic. I still to this day, yeah. if I'm in a store, not that that happens anymore these days. Pre pre pandemic, when I'd be in a store with a lot of people and you'd hear the colicky baby, it's like your radar goes off, and I'd automatically start like I start bouncing because it's like this really it's this neurological oh like I yeah it's weird. But it's like your PTSD from having a baby that cried all the time. Yeah. Because that wasn't this one. This was yeah. my first. No. It was like that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. For yeah. way longer than they say that was supposed to go on for. <laughs> she talks about, um, like, her baby having food allergies, too. And my baby had food allergies. And I remember one time, like, he was in his little bottle. Like, I just nursed him. And I burped him. And of course, you know, there'd been puke. So I was like cleaning up the puke off of the couch and off of me. So I put him in his little bouncer and he puked and it shot in an arc across the room. Yes. I mean, and the thing is, in my mind, I'm like, it's like a fish story. Like I have to be, I have to be exaggerating, but I swear it was like five feet across the room. Mm -hmm. This little itty bitty tiny baby. I mean. You needed my dog. (laughs) <laughs> no because then i would have been like dry heaving like trying to cl- oh, no, like people I, were totally horrified and i was just totally at peace with it there'd be just rags all over the floor that if i could ever put them down i'd go around and like i knew where the puke was so i would like pick- <laughs> clean it but if i didn't get the rag down the dog would clean it up he'd follow me and be like oh <laughs> i'll do that for you and i was like okay this is working for me or like my what is it remora fish it was, it was a relationship that was working for me at the time. That's really gross in retrospect. I can't talk. I'm... <laughs> What's I, it called? I used to My be brain's not working in 2020. Fine the, the with puke. Reciprocal. I, I, I don't know when it shifted. I used to be fine with it. I'm actually not fine with it at all. I'm not Which now. You know. And even you Which talking you know. about it, it's like. Yeah. Like, yeah, I. If any of my kids puke, it's like the world has stopped and I'm like, hold up. And then we have to go into like lockdown emergency mode. That happened this summer. Yeah. You know, visiting in-laws during the pandemic. I was like, how can you even puke? We haven't been anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is so unfair. Oh. <laughs> exactly not how you're supposed to be as a mom. Well. <laughs> but in my head, I was like, yeah. are you kidding? Yeah. It's so, it's so weird to me because like, yeah. I'm sorry. There's probably people who are like, I can't. Just fast forward. We've just turned off a whole percentage of listeners. Yeah, just fast forward a little I'm bit. I'm sorry. It's okay. Guys, everything's going to be I'm okay. Sorry. 
We don't talk about puking that much in the actual episode. It's all good. Oh, we need to tell people about Anne, though. Yes. Okay. Anne Guinera has a PhD in Spanish from the University of Virginia. She's a wife and mother to three boys. And Anne says that parenting three boys, ages six and under, has been harder than doing a PhD. (laughs) I believe it. Yeah. Anne's goal with language learning at home is to help homeschooling families study foreign languages better while enjoying the process. She shares the best language learning strategies and new ideas for delighting in your language study and doing it well. She also documents her journey raising and educating boys in Spanish and English with a smidge of Portuguese thrown in. When she's not writing at her website, Language Learning at Home, or with her boys, you will likely find her cooking, listening to a good audiobook, and or scheming up travel plans for future tours of Latin America. She previously joined us on episode 62 um, to talk about language learning, and we will link to that in the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com. But this time, she is back to talk about um, talk with us about homeschooling with a new baby. And I just want to say, like, her honesty is really incredible, and I just really admire her. Um, and I'm so glad that she was willing to talk with us about this, because I think that those days with a new baby are incredibly emotional and like there's just it's so complex and the fact that she was just brave enough to like show up and share with us um I wish I could I wish I could hug her but she's in so authentic she's very many miles away but I'm I'm really really glad that she did it so we should jump into our conversation huh yes we should okay here we go This episode is sponsored by Home Science Tools. For over 25 years, Home Science Tools has enabled homeschool families to experience the wonder and joy of discovering the world through science. Home Science Tools provides tools and resources for hands-on experiences that inspire parents to nurture a love of learning with their children. Specializing in learning kits, Home Science Tools also provides science equipment, supplies, plus an online learning center full of relevant content and advice all designed for homeschools. This holiday season, Home Science Tools' desire is to help families easily and conveniently finish their shopping early so that they can focus on cultivating intentional moments as a family, creating amazing magical memories, and just enjoying every moment together without the added stress of last-minute prep and planning. Home Science Tools will be having a 12 Days of Science sale from November 9th through 20th, where certain categories of science gifts will be discounted. All of these details, plus the gift-giving guide, stocking stuffer guide, and more can be found on their Christmas gifts page, which you can find in the show notes. Home Science Tools deeply values discovery, creating magical memories, inspiring future scientists, heroes, strengthening human connection, developing practical life skills, and building confidence and efficiency. They sincerely hope that you experience these things and more with your families this Christmas season. Stay tuned for a live video series happening on the Home Science Tools Facebook page in December. They'll be featuring different hands-on experiments that families can do during the holidays to create magical memories. Giveaways will be involved for those who do the experiments with their kiddos and share a glimpse into their experience on social media. More details to come. For helpful gift guides, gift discounts, and all things holiday from Home Science Tools, head to their Christmas gifts page, which you can find in the show notes. Still savoring fall this season? 
find 40 fall science projects to engage and inspire your kids by visiting the 40 fall science lessons projects page, which you can also find in the show notes. Use the promo code SISTERS for 10% off site-wide from now through November 30th, 2020. For all of the details, including exclusions, head to the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com. Teacher Fit and Student Fit offer a tailored approach to at-home fitness, yoga, and mindfulness for homeschool parents and their students. Each week, you and your student get access to new workouts, yoga classes, and mindfulness practices. And Kate, I know this has been a big thing for you guys in your homeschool lately. It has. This is one of our favorite things. So we started doing, I started doing Teacher Fit about two years ago, I think. Can't trust my 2020 brain, but it's been a (laughs) while. And I loved it so much that my husband started doing it. And we would compete with each other because we do it in the basement. So we leave the chalk score. (laughs) And try to one-up each other because you get to do this whiteboard. You put your score on a virtual whiteboard and you can see where you are. So we were having this fun competition off and on for many months. And Nick, who is the head of Teacher Fit, just came out with Student Fit. So my kids can do the same thing at a level that works for them. And it has been such a lifesaver here because... Not only do we need it because they usually all do soccer and I only have one doing soccer. So it's weird to enter fall and not have some sort of outdoor athletic activity for our family. Mm -hmm. But also I have one who's really struggling with anxiety right now. And doing that first thing in the morning has complete, it it is a complete 180 in his affect and his, his mood and his outlook after he does that. And they love it. And it was so cool watching them do it the first time because they immediately, they came out there with their yoga, I'm having them do it outside while the weather's nice. So they had their yoga mat and they all brought chalk and then they wrote down their scores <laughs> each time. Like they already knew how to do it because they've watched my husband and I do it. And it just shows like learning all the cool, time, you know, kids just learn all the time. Yeah. So it's been really great. Oh, I love that. I, there's two things that I really love about teacher fit. One is that while you're doing it, you're doing math and you can write it down, but sometimes you can't write it down until you're done doing something. So like <laughs> literally your brain has to focus on that. So you have to take a break from and it's hard. stressing it's about hard, other things short. and keeping other things in your head because you're like, okay, I've done 20 reps and five rounds and that's really easy math, but it's not always that easy math. Mm-hmm. It's like you have to keep things in your head. And then the other thing is um, one of the hardest things for me is like when you're doing like, what should I do today? Should I go for a walk? Should I do yoga? Should I do this class? Should I do that class online? And then even you get into the online stuff and you're like, what should I do today? Which one should I pick? You just do that day's workout. So like right. there's and no every day it's there for you. Yeah. You don't have to think about that part of it. And it's short and it's going to kick your tush a little bit, but you're going to feel so good after you're done. And you don't need a lot of equipment. I always tell people when I, so I didn't have any postpartum stuff with my first two kids, but with my third, I had a ton of anxiety and I went to therapy and I tried meds for a while. I did a whole bunch of different things. And then I ended up doing this CrossFit for moms. It was like a reduced rate. We called it mom fit. It, it kicked my butt and it fixed, like it just set things back. Like that was my thing that worked the best. And then after several years, that the person who was running that moved on. And when teacher fit, when I heard about teacher fit, I was like, this is what I need. And it's just, it's like a butt kicker. Yeah. But it's 15 or 20 minutes of your life. And when you finish it, you feel Mm -hmm. so good. And 
it's not intimidating in that you just need either dumbbells or a kettlebell. There's not a whole lot of complicated yeah. things that are happening. And there's a video, so you know what to do. And there's also yoga if you're feeling too sore from or whatever. There's yoga, and they've mm-hmm. added mindfulness in the past year. And it's just really, it's a... It's a one-stop shop, and there's a lot there. Yeah, and right now, I think more than ever, we just need people to tell us maybe what to do. And so it's mm-hmm. nice. You can just go on and get your daily workout, whether it's yoga or it's um, the teacher fit training. So um, right. you can use the promo code SISTERS for $10 off student fit and or teacher fit. Visit homeschool.studentfit.fit to sign up for student fit. Or visit individuals.teacherfit.com to sign up for TeacherFit. And we're going to put those links in the show notes at thehomeschoolsisters.com so you don't have to like pull over and try to write them down right now. Um, and you can use, again, the code SISTERS for $10 off student fit and or teacher fit. Hello, Anne. Hi. Hi, ladies. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me back. Oh, yeah. We're, we're excited to have you on. Yes, very excited. And we appreciate you coming on because this is a question that we get so much. And Kate and I are just a little bit away from those new baby years. So we're really glad that you are willing to come on and chat with us. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm right in the thick of it. So um, <laughs> your notes from the battlefield. I think. <laughs> that's good. That's good. We want to keep it real. So that's good. Um, so for those who haven't listened to the other episode, you're on episode 64 with us a little while back, and we will link to that in the show notes, of course. But, um, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and the work that you do? Sure. Um, well, my name is Anne Quinera. My family and I live right outside of Washington, DC. My husband and I are high school sweethearts, and we now have three boys. Uh, Xavier's our oldest. He goes by hobby. And he's six six years old, and he's in first grade. Our second born just turned four. His name is Felix. And then our baby is 14 months, and his name is Augustine, but we call him Gus for short. So um, we have been homeschooling bilingually since the start. This is technically our third year of homeschooling, our oldest, and um, we're loving it. We um, It meshes really well with my work, which is that Uh, Prior to having kids, I did a PhD in Spanish at the University of Virginia and taught and uh, have parlayed that work into writing a blog for homeschoolers about how to learn foreign languages, which is called Language Learning at Home. So I now run that blog um, in my very few spare hours (laughs) that I have when I'm homeschooling (laughs) or taking care of the kids. And um, and I love just being able to share with families what I've learned as as a language teacher and how they can apply it in their homeschools. It's such a unique setting to learn a new language that um, it's been a new challenge for me to apply best practices in language learning to the homeschool setting. So um, I love it and um, I invite everyone to visit it. Yeah, well, you're definitely my go-to whenever anybody has language learning questions. I always send them to your site because um, we've dabbled here and there and we talked about it in the episode that... um, that you were on before. And now my son is learning Japanese, um, through a college class and my daughter, we're still kind of trying to figure it out. So I might be hitting you up later to figure out what we do, but, (laughs) um, you, you have wonderful resources over there. And so I always like to point people in your direction. 
Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm so pleased that people have told me how helpful my site is. And that's the most rewarding part. Because when I started it, I wasn't really sure. You just don't have a sense of of how um, helpful your work can be. So I am grateful that it has been so well received and seems to really fill a need in the homeschool community. Yeah, for sure. So we get tons of questions about homeschooling with a new baby. Can you tell us a bit about the past year and how it's impacted your homeschooling? Sure. So like I said, my baby is now 14 months. So we're past the infant stage and getting into the early toddler stage. But um, having, you know, looking back at this first year, what I can say is I think what has been most characteristic of it is just the fact that we are in a state of constant change. When you consider all the different changes that a baby goes through in that first year, which are really fascinating. And then all the different shifts that your family has to make to accommodate that baby and fit in homeschooling as well. Um, It has been, you know, transition after transition after transition. So that's okay. It's just, you know, that's what it has looked like for us. And that's with me just formally schooling my oldest um, with my second born who just turned four, he comes along for the ride of some of our, our homeschooling that I do with my oldest. And he does two um, sessions of preschool with me a week, which is just like 15 minutes of kind of special time with mommy and we play math games. So it's not, um, you know, what I'm balancing with the baby is, you know, the homeschooling needs of like one child who's in early elementary and then a tiny bit of preschool. Um when I think about how our routine has changed, I would say it's probably been different month to month. Um, although we've kept the same the same basics in place. So homeschooling with a baby has really taught me to pare down to the essentials pretty much in every area of my life, not just homeschooling, but also household management, you know, outside activities and leadership um, positions in even friendships um, in, in a certain regard, because I. I have found that, especially with this third baby, um, and I don't know, Kate, if you, you had the same experience, but there was some threshold that was reached. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I had to really reconsider what were my limitations and abilities like in this current stage of my life. Mm-hmm. So that's a question that I have thought about a lot and have kept returning to over this year as our life has changed. Um, so yeah, so looking at, you know, kind of from a practical point of view. Um, for me at this stage, it's really important to do math, handwriting, and reading daily. Um, and I don't think I'm arbitrarily committed to that. I just find that my my oldest really does best when we do daily practice in those subjects. So those are the things that I consider non-negotiable. And then on most days, we also do a pretty extended morning time between an hour, an hour and a half. Um, but that is something that if it has to go one day, I'm okay with because we also do a lot of like interest led learning and reading. And I think that um, thanks to, you know, listening to your podcast and listening to read a lab revival and learning from other homeschoolers, our family thankfully has been able to construct an atmosphere of learning in our house that does not depend on formal lessons. So I don't stress out if we miss morning time, I know my kids are still probably going to end up reading aloud with me for an hour at some point at another part of the day. So I'm not too, too concerned about that. Um, and, and so, you know, every day we do try to get math reading and handwriting done, but, and, and morning time as well. Um, 
and then rely a lot on on atmosphere and, and the things we do outside of our official school time as well for learning. I was going to ask you, um, I didn't think about this till you were just talking about it, but when you came home with your new little guy, like how long did you take before you tried to jump back into homeschooling? Oh, great question. Yeah, that's a great question, Kara. Um, so I will speak really particularly to my experience. So all of my kids have been born with severe tongue and lip ties and all of them have required surgery within the first few days of life in order to be able to nurse. Um, that's also meant that I've had pretty difficult recoveries, mm-hmm. um, with my first, I had te- a terrible recovery from childbirth. Um, my second was actually my easiest. And then this one was, was harder. It's also meant that for the first few weeks of their life, about three, two to three weeks, um, I've had to exclusively pump and syringe feed my kids. Yeah. So yeah. which is a choice that our family made. We have a genetic history of food allergies. And so breastfeeding was really important to me. Because um, that that's literally the only thing that research tells us could possibly help prevent food allergies. So I'm I'm giving I'm trying to give some context here. Yeah, I yeah. I could have given them bottles, and other yeah. families might do that, and that's totally fine for me. It was important, and so you know when I was pumping every two hours around the clock, and then doing hour to hour and a half long feeds by syringe of my kids, like no, there was no way we were homeschooling yeah. at that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, I had planned to take two to three weeks off with this baby, but we ended up taking off more like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, you know, and then we slowly eased back into it. So yeah. we started with morning time because that's just our, our time, you know, like coffee and books for you, Kate and, and Carrie, I know you guys do morning time too. You know, that's our pleasure time. We, we love that right. time. And so that didn't seem like a burden to add back into the schedule. And my kids know to expect that and are flexible kind of when it happens. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes it was afternoon time. Sometimes it was morning time. Um, and we made that happen. And then as I was feeling more physically up to it, we added other things back in. Um, one thing that was that was not expected and that happened with my third is that he also had, so despite all the breastfeeding, <laughs> Um, he had some serious undiagnosed food allergies that gave him major medical problems for the first like six months of his life. Um, he was, and because of that, he was waking up like up to 10 times a night, um, until we finally found a pediatric allergist who diagnosed him. And, um, and pretty much as soon as I took his allergens out of my diet, like his whole demeanor changed. Um, but I will say that those first six months really, of dealing with that, of dealing with a baby who he was constantly screaming. Um, and I'm sure some of you, like, I hope your babies don't have food allergies or some other more complicated problems. You probably have colic, you know, some ladies have colicky babies, fussy babies, and your baby also spends a lot of time screaming. Um, and I have a lot of like really good baby calming techniques, but they did not work on him. So our school did have to adjust quite a bit to work around that. Um, you know, as I was trying to like bounce, I realized at some point, I think it was around the three month mark when I was like bouncing the baby on my knee while trying to teach math and the baby's screaming. And my six-year-old is going like, I can't concentrate for the screaming. I was like, yeah, actually this is not, you know, this is not, (laughs) this is not workable. And so for a time I had a mother's helper who was coming three times a week. Um, so that one, I could homeschool during those hours. And then in case the baby did take a 20 minute nap in the afternoon, I could use that time myself to sleep. 
So that our, um, our schedule did like shift quite a bit for, for those few months while we were trying to figure out exactly what was going on with him and, and deal with it. Yeah. Oh, you, you've said so many good things in there about like, you know, that your schedule changed kind of month by month and you just had to like stay flexible. And I mean, I remember those early days with a baby and like you said, some nights you're getting zero sleep. Other times you're just trying to catch up with a nap, you know, during the day. And yeah, you just kind of like have to, it's going to take over, you know, (laughs) it's good. Having a new baby is, is it's meant to kind of be this like full stop thing. And then we're still trying to, you know, parent other kids. And, um, if we add homeschooling to that, oh my goodness. Right. No, that's so true. I was just talking to a friend about this and, um, and she's from Peru and there's, there's a phrase in Spanish where you say like, un bebe es todo un mundo. So like (laughs) a baby is a whole world. Yeah. And, um, and it's so true, right? Like, you are really immersed in the world of the baby, mm-hmm. <laughs> which mm-hmm. is okay, but it's hard to adjust. It's, it's hard to adjust. And my personality is such that I don't love transition. I don't love changing my schedule every month. That makes me, you know, at like a deep level that is difficult for me. Um, and I have chilled out about it a little bit since having like more children. But there was also a point where, um, you know, he... Gus, our third, has been our most difficult baby, which was shocking to me because I think I had, I realized this later, the naive belief that the more kids you have, the easier it gets. Right. Yeah. Because you know more, right? Like you've done this. It's supposed to be easy. Like you've already breastfed a baby. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Except the baby doesn't know that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the baby has his own needs and preferences that are not necessarily on the same scale of what your other children had. So my first was an intense high needs baby and he is an intense high needs child. My second was an easygoing, flexible baby and is an easygoing, flexible child. Mm -hmm. And then Gus just like came in like a tornado and he's (laughs) so fun, but it, it has been a different, um, level of parenting, I think that he's required. So, um, I had to deal with some correcting some false assumptions that I didn't even know I had Yeah, when we had them. Yeah. Well, I just, I feel like, um, you know, looking back on that time, we can put a lot on ourselves, like, you know, why is this so hard? I must be doing something wrong type of thing. Like we, we turn it on ourselves as mothers and really it's just some babies have really different needs than others some are Mm -hmm. you know really intense and um yeah I mean they just and and we're going to talk about that a little bit but first I I wanted to ask you too um I mean speaking of mom guilt we all deal with mom guilt right and then I can remember when my first was born (laughs) so ridiculous now (laughs) Like I had a meltdown at one point because I felt like I was ignoring our dog, you know, like because he had been our like first baby because, you know, you don't know like when you're, you know, in your 20s and you're like, yeah, he's like my first baby, except like I can leave for the day and he's totally fine and completely different. But anyway, um, but with my second, there was like this guilt of 
you know, trying to make sure that he was getting the attention, you know, my oldest was getting the attention that he needed. And then like babies just require so much time and so much energy and everything. And I was just thinking, like reflecting back on that, that feeling was so intense. And I mean, with you having like your, your other kiddos and a high needs baby, how did that impact everything for you? Um, that's a good question. So I'm not sure I felt guilt vis-a-vis my other children, but I think I did, particularly about like the attention thing, though I did feel concern. I knew that my first would get the attention that he needed because he will demand it. And (laughs) (laughs) I knew he was going to be all right. He was older. He does not see the baby as a threat. He is like so, so sweet with Gus. Um, they just have a really special bond. And I think that is largely because there's five and a half years between them and there's no competition. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <How> that <goes. laughs> um, but I might, my concern was more for my second born because he is more quiet and easygoing. If he is upset or if he's feeling left out, he'll just kind of retreat to his room. And I, knowing that about him, I wanted to make sure that I didn't overlook him just because he was being easier, quote, quote, you know, like mm-hmm. as a child to deal with because he was kind of dealing with things on his own because he still needs attention and compassion and care and emotional coaching in the same way that my other kids do, but he just won't demand it as outright as they will. So we are very careful to make time for him Um One thing that we do is we have a stay up late night for each of the older boys. One night a week, they get to stay up 15 minutes extra with my husband and I, and they, we do whatever they want. Um, So, you know, we'll play any board game they want, or um, they're very into role playing games. We'll do that for 15 minutes with them. Um, He's so funny. Well, last time we played the, we played our role playing game, my second point, he's like, we're going to do Harry Potter. And I was like, okay. And he goes, I will be Hogwarts. <laughs> I was like, okay. I'm not sure how we're going to make this work, but let's go. I love that. <laughs> it was very cute. But um, we do that once a week. And then he, my second born is also my errand buddy. So he loves running errands. And very, very funnily, this really predates the pandemic. He loves wearing masks. And gloves. <laughs> like he loves to go to the doctor because of the gloves and the dentist because of the gloves and the mask. So it was not a hard sell for him to wear a mask out and about. Um, so he has his own um, NASA themed mask and he comes with me to the grocery store and Home Depot like on Saturdays. And I try to use that time to kind of draw him out of himself and make sure that I'm like having long one-on-one conversations with him um, that where he doesn't have to compete with his brothers for attention because that um, man, I, I don't envy him that task. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that yeah. answer. I, I can relate because I have very similar setup with mine and I can tell you years into it. It's still, it's very similar. It's those personalities come out and there's certain kids that just cannot be ignored and some that, you know, if you're not paying attention, can kind of fly under the radar. So I love that you do that. And kind of along those lines, can I feel like all motherhood is so much of a balancing act. And 
when you throw a baby or a toddler into it, that just kind of throws your whole world a little more off balance. Can you speak to balance or the myth of balance in your homeschool and everyday life? Yeah. Um, so I think balance for me was attainable or I felt like I had it under a certain threshold. Right. So like when I had just a preschooler who I was homeschooling and my second was a baby and early toddler. And this is really key. We were living in a 900 square foot apartment that really didn't need a lot of cleaning. I did have a lot more you know, balance as it's defined by the world. I was able to you know, be at home with my kids and yet still fit in quite a bit of work. Like at one point I was working up to like 30 hours a week without childcare. And that actually wasn't taking time away from my kids. It was just that my second was a great napper and I was able to work after they went to bed. And I just didn't have kind of the level of daily responsibilities that I have now. Um, And I think everyone's threshold is different, right? So that was my threshold. (laughs) And then we moved out of our apartment into a house and then we had our third child. And now I am way over that threshold. and the other thing that I, I think gives context to this too is that I'm also the primary caregiver for my mom who um, has early onset Alzheimer's. And while she's not living with us, um, I still have the equivalent of a part-time job, more or less taking care of her and taking care of her her household and, and administrating that and her finances and everything like that. Um, so, you know, all of us are managing such complicated situations. And, you, you know, for those of you listening, like you're – you may not have a parent who requires care yet, but you may have a mental health condition that needs a bit of time and care. And that is something that you need to consider as you're partitioning out your responsibilities and your, your limits. Um, or, you know, you may have a chronic illness or, you know, you may have something else that just requires a lot of time and attention. And when you line up all those things of homeschooling, baby, other relationships, work, you know, and then any additional responsibilities you have. I don't think there can, I I think it is hard. I I don't think balance is the thing that we, that we want to strive towards. I think if I was, I would drive myself crazy if I was trying to live a balanced life. Yeah. Um, In the sense of everything having kind of equal distribution of time or equal distribution of energy. They just don't. Um, 90% probably of my energy and time go to caring for my kids and my mom. 10% of my energy and time probably go to caring for me. You know, I'll be honest, like that's not a percentage. That's an honest, I think, picture of what my life looks like right now. But it's not something that I'm always comfortable with. Sometimes I would like for that distribution to be significantly less. Um, And yet at the same time, I do know that I don't think it will be this way forever. I have seen my kids are far enough apart that I've, you know, they're almost three years apart, all of them. And so towards like, I've gotten a little peak of freedom um, towards that coming of the third year. I think when like things start to really shift, I've noticed that, at like the one year mark, there's a big shift at the two year mark. There's another shift. And then at three and I, you know, it just goes up and up, but I know that, you know, my life won't be so 
categorized by like daily caregiving and physical caregiving forever. Um, and so I can kind of like lean into it now and say like, okay, this is what it looks like now. I'm going to try and lean into this while still preserving a sense of self. Yeah. Cause I tried to do away with that for a while and it was not a good strategy. I don't advise it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the, the description that Nora Roberts gave about the balls in the air and it was actually a Twitter thread that I had found and Jennifer Lynn Barnes on Twitter who's a, a, a professor of psychology said that one time I was at a Q&A with Nora Roberts and someone asked her how to balance writing and kids and she said that the key to the key to juggling is to know that some of the balls you have in the air are made of plastic and some are made of glass and if you drop a plastic ball it bounces no harm done if you drop a glass ball, it shatters. So you have to know which balls are glass and which are plastic to prioritize catching the glass ones. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. And I think we, um, I think it's, it's interesting, right? That like we grew up, like our generation, I think I really heard the message, you can do it all. A lot. Yeah. Right? And like my um, family really emphasized that. And like my mom actually is like an amazing example of that. She is was one of three women in her law school class of 300. And she was one of the first female FBI agents. Wow. Um, wow. Like she was a trailblazer, like in her generation. And she grew up teaching my sister and I, um, you know, you can do it all. You know, she's like, I had a family, I had a career, you know, I had a healthy marriage, but all these things. Um, and, but I found that that trying to actually do that to the standards that women are held to now was not possible. And I don't think, you know, I, I in the way that I wanted to do it. So for me, I think instead of thinking about balance, I think it's help, more helpful to think just like that, that metaphor of a life that's aligned with your values, uh, right? What are yeah. those classes and, and doing that, that back end thinking. And I don't think, I think one of the mistakes too, is that we mistake glass balls and plastic balls for tasks. When I think it's more helpful to think of glass balls and plastic balls as values. And then from that, which tasks within those segments are glass balls and plastic balls. Yeah. I love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I think ultimately we want to be living a life according to those things that we do truly value and want to pass along to our kids and value for ourselves as well. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to be, you know, that's always changing, but that's something that we should have awareness of as we're going, as we're going about. Yeah. Well, I love the perspective you shared that like you've seen what happens when your child reaches three years old and how like things kind of shift at that point. And I think it's really about like seasons. Like I think it's Anna Quinlan that says you can have it all, but you can't have it all at once, you know? And so like if we want to be home with our kids and if we want mothering and homeschooling to be our like priorities right now, that's, that's where we're at. That's our season right now. And then, you know, that changes down the line. Like now I'm at a point where I have two teens and it's completely different than those, you know, early days with like, you know, where, where you're talking about, um, I remember you had an Instagram post where you were wearing your baby 
and saying, you know, like I have a high needs baby and this is tough. And that's when Kate and I knew we needed to reach out to you because yes. we're like, that's what it's really like. You know, you don't always see that portrayed. Like, have you, have you guys noticed like people will have a baby on a show and then the baby just like disappears after like two episodes and they're just like <laughs> going about their lives. And it's like, okay, hold on. That is not what it's like. What it's like is like everybody's leaking and no, yeah. like this is not fair. <laughs> everybody's leaking. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That, that might be too much. But it's so true. We might have to cut and that out. And someone's attached to you. I remember I used to have one on the front and one on the back sometimes. Like, yeah. you're, like that's, yeah, so much of what you see online is not realistic. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's a whole conversation right to that too. I think in our generation, um, maybe more so even than what our parents may or may not have told us like social media feels that feeds that you can do it all. Um, so I've actually been teaching my husband Instagram for <laughs> something he needs to do for work. And one of the things I realized I have realized about Instagram is that the thing that you see someone doing on Instagram and like, this is, you know, equally applicable to myself is it's that person's thing. Yeah. It's not Instagram because they're really good at it. Yeah. But when you get really excellent things lined up in your feed, you start to think I need to be also excellent at baking pumpkin sourdough loaves and (laughs) being a great knitter and having a sparkling clean kitchen and also, you know, doing all these hands-on learning activities to seem like that's the montage of skills that you should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's crushing. Like yeah. to take those expectations on for yourself, I think is absolutely crushing. So mm-hmm. one thing I think is especially helpful if you have a baby or if you're just like struggling with your parenting in general is to really curate how much time you spend on social media, but also who you follow. And if there are accounts that you follow that make you feel like you're not measuring up to an arbitrary standard of either, you know, domesticity and household management or of homeschooling intensity or, um, you know, even physical beauty or, or home decoration, just unfollow Like, give yourself permission to do that. Um, and it's been interesting teaching Instagram to my husband because but, you know, I've, I've been following some people and I have sometimes felt some guilt, you know, going back to that question about guilt, Kara, um, over like not being like them. So for example, we've lived in this house that we're in for three years, my bedroom. Well, first of all, we haven't painted any rooms. They're all the same color they were. And like, I don't have anything on the walls in my bedroom or in most of the other rooms. Mm-hmm. That's because I don't care about decorating my house. Yeah. I just don't <laughs> care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, but I would see these beautiful houses on Instagram and think like, oh, I should be more like that, that woman who has this beautifully decorated house. And if my husband heard me say that, he'd be like, shut up. <laughs> he would say it much more nicely. I don't think he's ever said shut up to me. <laughs> but you, like, you have other strengths. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's all about strengths and weaknesses. Question, like if you feel you know, shame from something you see online that you feel like you're not living up to, like, what would your closest friend say if they heard you saying that to yourself? Right. And, you know, you see like the pumpkin sourdough bread in the house and the hands on thing. And that's not all the same person too. Like you don't have to take on all those things because 
other people are sharing like one thing that they're super good at. Like the lady that's making pumpkin sourdough might not have any kids. That might be, you know, I follow a sourdough lady, like that's her career, you know, like that's what she does. She writes books about it and all that kind of stuff. And so she's able to give that more time because it's also her work, you know? And so, yeah, but it gets all confused in our brains. And the thing is, um, I was just thinking about this, like when I, cause you know, you spend when you have a little baby, if you're, you know, nursing or feeding in any way, like you're spending a lot of time, you know, feeding this baby. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, it must be so tempting to just like scroll through your phone because I didn't have that. Cause um, I'm, it's not that I'm old. I had my babies very young. No, I'm kidding. It's both. Um, but you know, I didn't have that. So now I think that pressure is probably even more there that like, you know, you're just going to pick up your phone and scroll while you're nursing or feeding your baby or whatever. And it's like, oh crap, that's really dangerous. You know, I never thought about that. I don't think I, I definitely was not on Instagram when I had my youngest. Yeah, I was playing and I don't even do online games, but I was playing words with friends with like friends all over because he did not sleep yeah I don't even think I, had a I got really good at Scrabble <laughs> I think I had like a like a one of those the ones that flipped open the sideways ones I don't even know what they're called like it was a long time ago you guys but <laughs> so it's different you had, though you had the big yeah. long phone with the antenna yeah yes I had like Zach Morris's <laughs> phone that's exactly what I had from Saved by the Bell yep I'm just teasing you yeah it weighed like 14 pounds we're the same age on most <laughs> Um, okay, so that's really good, though. Are there other tips or tricks that you've learned over the past year that have been really helpful that you would share with other moms? Well, so specifically relating um, to what you were saying, Kara, um, I think especially for homeschooling moms, it's important when you're looking at social media to also ask yourself, are these people in the same stage of life as me? Yeah. For example, I am so impressed by the beautiful nature journals that I see folks keeping on Instagram. And I'm like, sometimes tempted and like, okay, you know, we're going to nature journal. Like, that's it. We're going to get those watercolors out. And like, we're going to do it. And I'm like, okay, we are not at that stage. Like I don't have tweens or teens who could paint a picture of a cardinal <laughs> and write all about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're going to yeah. have spills. There's going to be spills. I'm tempted to think like, we could do this. But in fact, if I think through what it would take to do that and the kind of like, I'd have to be like standing over them, like spelling out cardinal. (laughs) (laughs) Like, oh, wait a minute. No, this is not like, this is not our reality for now. Right. So I think it's like, you Mm -hmm. have to temper, you know, Instagram is, is a wonderful place to find ideas. And I do love that like inspirational and aspirational feature of it. But I think it's always important to take those ideas with quite a bit of discernment as to whether or not they are actually workable in your stage of life. So like, you know, like, like you said, with that post of mine, like wearing my baby, I mean, when Gus was first born, I was wearing him eight to 10 hours a day yeah, because he was so fussy. And that, that limited every aspect of my life. I had to invent new ways of getting my clothes out of the washer and into the dryer on the front. Like you can't bend over. So yeah, the answer is kitchen tongs. You can push them out <laughs> with the kitchen tongs. I and love that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm sure it wasn't funny at the time, but like. No, it was funny. It's actually. <laughs> it's so relatable. Funny. That's genius. Like that is genius level. I mean, yeah, that's amazing. 
Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, you do, and the, so I guess that leads to like my second, my my second point, which is like a more you know besides kitchen tongs, which is a good trick. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's really important for moms of new babies to remember that this is a learning experience for them, um, and as well for their older children mm-hmm. too, right? Um, and so to be gentle with yourself and have like a growth mindset about the experience of homeschooling with a new baby. Um, you know, if you are a new mom of two or three or four, you're a new mom of two or three or four, and you're going to have to re-navigate elements of who you are as a person, of what you value as a parent, of how you relate to um, your children differently and then how they relate to each other. Like every time you have a new child, you have to navigate all of these things all over again. Um, so if you can have the patience to not have unrealistic expectations of yourself and to treat it like a growing experience, I think that is just a much, a very helpful way to think about it. Um, you know, and that lets you try new things bravely. And if they fail, you're like, okay, that didn't work let's take it off the table. Um, or if it did, then, and, and it is aligned with what you value as a parent, you know, um, then you say, okay, you know, that did work for me. Um, actually, you know, I thought I would never do online learning, but now we're in this situation where my oldest has to take some of his classes online and I'm okay with that. You know, it's working for him. It's working for me. You have to kind of redefine, you know, what are you, absolutely committed to like those glass balls and those plastic balls. Right. Again. And like, then what can you give way on? So, um, so I think that's helpful. And then the other point that I would have is just remember that it is natural to need help. Um, and I think my, my personal experience living outside the U S has given me a really good perspective on this because in Latin America, where I've spent a good amount of time, uh, doing research for myself and where we have a lot of friends and and my family travels too because we do some world schooling um, between here and Mexico. Uh, almost everyone, and I'm including people of lower classes who can't afford paid help, like has someone to help them with their children and with the responsibilities of managing a household. Um, and it's not at all seen as a source of shame um, to have help. Whereas here in America, that we have such a pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality. And I think that creates a lot of false guilt uh, for moms. And like you were saying, Kara, it makes a lot of women ask themselves like, well, what am I doing wrong? I just can't make this work. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't make it work because it's actually too much work. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, it's actually too much work. So for one person to manage. So if you are, you know, are in a place to, to get help of some kind, you know, paid or not, I would say go for it. I would, um, you know, encourage you to know your limitations and to be okay with them. Like not to just know your limitations and like feel shame about them. Cause I, I think a lot of women are kind of stuck in that place. They're like, I see, I can't do it all, but I feel terrible about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if you're like, I see that I can't do it all. And so that's, and that's okay because I'm a human being and like I'm limited in space and time and I'm limited in energy and I'm limited in ideas and, and I mean, I, this is something I've been working through a lot over the past years. <laughs> you can hear it, but, um, I've had to come really face to face with those things for myself and, and decide what, um, what to persevere through and then what to let go of. Um, 
So I think, and I think just remembering that is natural to need help and to want help is a good thing. That's huge. And I think when you admit that too, you find your people. Yeah, I think so. And if, yeah. And if anyone I think would judge you for needing help, um, unfollow. Yeah, unfollow. <laughs> just, yeah, we just, we don't have, like, we don't know all the stresses that other people are under. Like, and it gives you a sense of humility too. Right. And like going back to our social media thing, you know, you, we don't know what people's lives are like 360 degrees that we follow on the internet. So like, I find it really comforting when I go to my friend's house and it's like a total wreck and I'm like, Oh yeah, mine too. <laughs> and I, you know, and it's just so much more authentic than looking at a house that's been cleaned for a photo and like for a photo shoot so that this person can present the ideal domestic life. Yeah. Um, Real life isn't color coordinated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and filtered. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I just, I don't, I would hate for like new homeschooling moms, especially. I mean, you know that like there's so many new homeschoolers this year, which has been so interesting and exciting um, to see. But like, I would hate for them to think that homeschooling looks like color coordinated flat lays every day. Oh, yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. to be more concerned with like the image of homeschooling than with the good work of homeschooling, which I think is inherently messy work. I'm so interested, Kara, in your, I know you just wrote a book about keeping your house clean while homeschooling. And I know that it's because homeschooling is so messy. Yeah. And I really look forward to reading it because it is, it is, um, you do have to like develop your tolerance for that, I think, and change your expectations of what your house will look like and what your house is for. Um, and like what that space is for in order to have realistic expectations, what caring for it looks like. Right. Yeah. Because I think that's where really, (laughs) I mean, I wrote a book about keeping your house picked up, but really it's a book about, like you said, expectations about your life is different. And the reason like a lot of those, um, planning or I'm sorry, cleaning guides out there, like don't work for you is because you're home all day and you're all making messes and you're all eating like three meals plus 11 snacks at home and it's just different and you kind of have to settle into it a little bit like and again I mean it's like you said it comes down to your priorities right like if what you want most is a pristine home like there's certain things like you're not going to want to do hands-on science projects. You are not going to ever want to pull out the glitter. You're going to want to make sure your family owns zero Sharpies, you know, like <laughs> there's just certain things. You're going to want a lot of <laughs> Um, But if you're like me and your priority is to homeschool your kids and just keep your home relatively picked up and cozy-ish and, you know, not disgusting and it doesn't look like somebody's, you know, like you've just been robbed, you know, then, then, the, then the book's for you. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's so great. I also, um, you know, Susan Weisbauer has also spoken about this and she says, and like, so I feel, I I don't know, Susan, I'm just a fangirl, but I feel like a real kindred spirit with her because like her, like I'm an academic by training and, um, yeah, I would definitely rather be reading a book than cleaning my house. Yeah. (laughs) Heck yeah. (laughs) Mean that like, I'm a lazy person. Um, what that means is that I have like a certain bent to my life. And so I really try to put in the bare minimum of cleaning. Like I do want my kids to have, to live in, you know, a somewhat presentable house. But like the reason you don't see a lot of pictures of my house on Instagram is because there's crap covering many surfaces. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's okay. Cause you know what? 
I don't have the time right now to like declutter all those surfaces. And that's okay. That's like just Mm -hmm. a straight up limitation that I have um, that I'm not going to try to exert a ton of effort to fix. Um, Not right now, not at this stage. It's just not my priority. I think being like embracing it, being like for the people who do have a clean home, that's wonderful. I would like to live in it. (laughs) (laughs) Can you come clean mine? (laughs) Can you come clean mine? Yeah. Um, But like, I, I think this is like getting deeper too, right? But like we see things like that and we think we have some character flaw. Like, oh, I must be lazy Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. I don't spend two or three hours a day like straightening my house and deep cleaning it. When in reality, like if your house is serving as its basic function, like you've said, and, you know, even like there's an argument for like your house needs to be messy to foster some more creativity. Yeah. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I could be more locked down about my children's creations and then we wouldn't have so many like maps of monkey world, which is my (laughs) oldest imaginary world. Um, littering my, my, you know, Mm -hmm. surfaces, but that's okay. Like for now I'm okay with that trade off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I want to go to monkey world. I'd like to vacation there for just a little while. And second of all, the laziness thing I think is huge. Like a lot of us tell ourselves like, oh, I'm being lazy or I'm, um, but the truth is there are a lot of different kinds of work and parenting is work. And homeschooling is work. Um, We're already doing a lot of work. And like you said, if you're caring for a parent, that's work. If you're dealing with a mental illness, that's work. If you're dealing to break yucky cycles from past generations in your family, that's work. If you are, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of work. And it's like, what do you want for your kids more? Do you want them to be able to live in a creative environment where they're nurtured? And when they're telling you a story about monkey world, you can turn and look at them and listen. Or do you want them to have, like we were saying, the flat lay world, the color coordinated world, you know, like it's, it's a trade-off. You have to make a trade-off, but I pick monkey world. Well, Monkey World, um, first of all, I think I finally convinced him to be the mayor of Monkey World. For <laughs> oh, I want to see oh, a picture. He does consider picture. himself the mayor of Monkey World. Um, but, oh man, I just can't wait until he is writing fluently because I keep trying to redirect his monologues about Monkey World. And, you know, I've been constantly trying to redirect that into like other forms of creative expression. So, you know, yesterday he was telling me all about Hamster World where the monkeys um, get their hamsters, which are actually hamster robots, <laughs> and they do their tasks for them. And I was like, wow, like, why don't you draw me? You know, I'm trying to, like, basically get out of this conversation. Like, please draw me a map of Monkey World and show me where Hamster Mountain is. Um, so he obliged. But, uh, man, I'm just like, I can't wait till he can, like, just sit down with a piece of paper and write out all his stories on yeah. Monkey World. I know. Maybe I should give him a dictation software. <laughs> so great. I, I so just, great. If, you, if he does yeah. end up being the mayor of Monkey World, can you please send us a picture? Yes. For- <laughs> oh, I so will. I'll put that on there Instagram. I have to start thinking. Yeah, we have to think about what exactly would a mayor- mayoral costume yeah. look like. I'm thinking um, a bow tie. But I don't know why. Ooh, I'm thinking that too. And like a <gasps> pin, definitely. Yes. That's a thing. Yeah. Definitely yeah. yeah. the mayor. Um, and then I think, you know, I don't know if there's gonna be trick or treating this year. I don't know what the rules are for our town, 
Uh, I was thinking he could carry around some of his Monkey World maps. Oh, that's so cute. cute. Yeah, he it. could do reverse trick-or-treating. He could yeah. give out the maps at the door. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of Instagram, can you let people know how to connect with you? Yes, sure. So, um, again, my blog is language learning at home. That's language learning at home.com. That is also who I am on Instagram. So at language learning at home. And you can also find me on Facebook in my Facebook community, language learning at home community. Um, that's probably the best place to find me. That community, we now have over 2,000 families who are sharing advice and resources about homeschooling foreign languages. And it is a great place to go if you are looking for tips or curriculum reviews. Um, it's really nice to have just a community of people to bounce those things off of. And it is so supportive. So, um, you know, I know that social media, especially right now, right before the election, is quite divisive. But I can assure you that that group is encouraging and on topic and supportive. Perfect. So um, please don't hesitate okay, to join us. Okay, we'll be sure to link to all of those um, in the show notes over at thehomeschoolsisters.com. And before we wrap up, um, and can you tell us something that's bringing you joy right now? Sure. Um, so, you know, it's a pandemic. <laughs> um, yeah. You may not have been there, but um, yeah, I was looking, so like, Early in the pandemic, my kids became obsessed with Stravinsky's Firebird, which is just like an amazing piece of classical music that deals with themes of destruction and rebirth. And it was like exactly what I needed to have hope that like this is not our forever. Mm -hmm. Right. So I commend to you the Firebird. But the Firebird led me down this like path of investigation to find the music of Max Richter, who's a contemporary composer. Um, and he's done a lot of movie scores, but he's also done a lot of phenomenal, phenomenal classical music. Um, and his albums are all themed very interestingly. So he has an eight hour composition on the theme of sleep, for example. Oh. He has another composition that is inspired by Virginia Woolf's novels. Um, and his latest one is about human rights. And it begins with like a reading of the UN Declaration of Human Rights. And so I've been listening to all these things over the course of the pandemic. But I think my favorite album out of all of them has been his Recomposed, which is basically a remix of Vivaldi's Four Seasons. And the high energy of this album and just the intensity, the emotional intensity of it combined, like with both highs and lows. I think for me has like really captured the past year of my life. So, you know, there, there's, there's quite a bit to meditate on in terms of like suffering. And then there's also uh, just really energetic, hopeful pieces that I think turn us toward the future. So sorry to nerd out on you, but like, <laughs> no, I want to yeah. go listen to it. My kids would love this. <laughs> <laughs> I have been, I have been compelled to listen to more Kenny Chesney, who my husband actually loves. Um, <laughs> inspired by you but um man i i feel like he's this max richter is like a modern day treasure so if you have any interest even if you don't have interest in classical music you're like wow i want to know what an album based on virginia wolf's novels look you know sounds That's like amazing um, I, I do recommend wow. it well. yeah i wrote it down too i don't think you're nerdy now i think it sounds interesting yeah, yeah. no 
Okay, I'm gonna be asking Alexa as soon as we're off. Like I'm, I'm that person that like listens to the same song like 20 times in a row, right? Like when I find my song, they're like, "Oh my gosh, not recomposed <laughs> again!" And we have success. They'll be like, "Alexa, turn off." <laughs> and I'm just like, "Oh, guess what? I bought the Alexa, and I control the Alexa." Nope. So, what about you, Kate? I love that. Okay, so I wasn't able to, I was having trouble thinking of something this morning because it's gray and gross out here. But then when you were talking about the pandemic, it made me remember something when we were talking about what's happening with Halloween because we don't know either. So my friend and I are going to have, despite our town has not announced anything, (laughs) I think like a lot of towns. So we decided we're going to have a meadow egg hunt sort of situation that's socially distanced and follows all the rules. But... My son is making a coronavirus piñata <laughs> that we're going to beat the heck out of. Is it the shape of the virus? Yes. I that love is it. Awesome. Well, he's been really yeah. into Yeah. Well, it hasn't been made yet, but we have yeah. big plans. Paper mache. Paper yeah. mache masks. Yeah, he's been big into paper mache, so he's all about he's going to make the coronavirus and my friend Bethany and I are like we get a turn <laughs> at whacking <laughs> I just remembered that that's like a lost memory. And it just came back to me that we made like paper mache pinatas in grade school. And I had totally forgotten about that. But I remember like painting it with tempera paint and it was like all crusty on the outside. Yes. It's a messy. (laughs) I love it. I've lamented some of the paper mache incidents here lately, but this will be a good one. It's very messy. Yeah. Perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Our house is textured. (laughs) Every handle, every chair. <laughs> what about you, Kara? So I have rediscovered uh, an old book that I've had I had for forever, and I like pulled it out again. Have you guys read this Simple Abundance by Sarah no. Van Brethnack? I think is how you say it. Um, so it's like a, it's a day book. So you read. There's like an entry for each day, and I used to do it all the time. And this was like my when I had little teeny tiny kids and like I had a minute, I could sit down and read it because it takes like one or like one to three minutes to read one of the entries. Like it's really short, but it's just like happy, good thoughts. Um, It's a lot about like just being a woman dealing with, you know, like we were talking about with this episode, kind of like career versus, you know, parenthood versus like, domesticity you know just all the things and it's just very encouraging so I picked it up again recently I I uncovered it it was like in a box somewhere and I pulled it out and I've been reading it every day and it's just like a little minute of something that reminds me like that Anna Quinlan quote that I was talking about earlier you know like you can have it all but you can't have it all at once like I had read that in there and um it's just got some really helpful little nuggets and it's very manageable when you're a really busy mom so you're managing, you're balancing it with the true crime. Well, actually, yeah. Okay. And that's the other thing is my, <laughs> my therapist was like, we need to cut back on the true crime. <laughs> so I have been trying to do things that are not as much true crime because it was <laughs> because I needed distraction. So like my mm-hmm. distraction was true crime, but then like it was still like I was I was distracting myself from the fact that we have a pandemic and a very contentious election and you know like a lot of negative stuff going on and a lot of anxiety yes. abusive stuff going on. 
then I was like reading about like horrific grizzly murders. And then she was like, okay, <laughs> can you see how this could still be contributing to your anxiety? <laughs> and I'm like, maybe. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I'm trying to read some different things. I love it. Alicia sent me that book ages ago. And it, really? It's a good one. Yeah. I used to mm-hmm. find it all the time. I should pull it out again. At um, used book sales and stuff. And I would find it, you know, for like a quarter or something. And I would just buy it. And then I would always find somebody to give it to eventually. Like I, I did that probably mm-hmm. like six or eight times. Like I would just find it and buy it. And then some, I would be talking to somebody and be like, oh, I have a book for you. That's how I feel about Katrina Kennison stuff. I've been thinking I need to pull out some of that. Yeah. I'm still in my dark and twisty because yeah 2020 and we had an episode with her we'll link to it in the show notes we'll link to everything yeah. we talked about today over in the show notes at the homeschoolsisters.com and and thank you so much for being here this this, this was, was great was really good it kind of gave me no, chills a couple you. times mm-hmm. yeah and i hope i really hope it's helpful to um to other moms who are listening and if it's not i would encourage you to just don't listen to it <laughs> <laughs> Take what you've heard and be like, mm, not useful for me. Throw it out. Because um, yep. I don't want to be contributing, right, to like that kind of shame and guilt yeah. <laughs> that we were talking about. So I want to make sure that your listeners have permission to, you know, discern for themselves what to take away. Yeah. We should put that as like I a disclaimer that. at the front of every episode. Like take what works yes. for you and the rest of it. Just ignore us. We're just ladies who yeah. like to talk to each other. It's okay. We don't have degrees. Yeah. We're not doctors. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a great rest of your day. You too. All right. Bye. Bye. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We'd love to answer your question next. So head to our site, thehomeschoolsisters.com and click on ask us a question. We share posts over there too. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Pinterest. We'd also love it if you'd leave us a review on iTunes so we can connect with more sisters out there. And until next time, remember, 